Planning for your next trip? Elevate your travel style with Quince. Quince has all the jet-setting essentials you'll want for your next getaway, like European linen, premium luggage options, buttery soft Italian leather bags, and so much more. And it's all priced at 50% to 80% less than similar brands. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe and ethical manufacturing practices. Pack your bags with high-quality essentials you'll be wearing for vacations to come with Quince. Go to quince.com slash pack for free shipping and 365-day returns. Welcome to Outcasts, one of your five-a-day and full of noble gas. So, like the alchemists of 16th century Germany, we have been pulling apart the very fabric of the known outlander world to reorder it and attain immortality and renown. During our dark nocturnal ramblings and many a failed attempt to make uranium from urine, my urine, uh, actually, I mean, they sound similar, so it's a very easy mistake to make, mother. So, <clears throat> anyway... David here actually stumbled on the elusive Philosopher's Stone and struck gold. Yes, indeed. Actor, producer, peaker, brewer, goodness me, tartan creator. In just six short years, he's pretty much become the face of a nation. He is, of course, the wonderful Mr. Sam Hewan. Welcome, welcome. Hello there. How are you? I, I just got distracted there. Sorry, I was loving your intro. And then, um, yeah, I just got distracted by Mr. McTavish just texting me. So there you go. Unbelievable. Uh, he gets in everywhere. Yeah. Gets he in does, everywhere. Doesn't he? Everything. Yes. Look at that. He texted me too. He texted me too. And did he text you that um that selfie? It's inappropriate. Yeah. He's sending it to everyone, I think. He is, I think. Uh <laughs> I, I haven't got it. Either that or his phone has been hacked. Um good to see you, gentlemen. This is the second time we've we've done this. <laughs> It is indeed. It is indeed due to technical difficulties. But we're we're gonna, we're, gonna, we're coming back uh, stronger and uh, fitter than ever. Well, we we it was either that or you guys listened to the first round we we recorded and you decided it was terrible, but didn't want to tell me. <laughs> no, it's a bit. It's a bit it like great. take on Outland, so, isn't it? Second, second time around. Second time Fantastic. around. Fantastic. Let's just do it once more. Just one more time. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, that was amazing. Absolutely perfect. One more time. Well, it's a pleasure to be on your show. And it's a pleasure to have you. And is, uh, as is tradition uh, as well on our show, we are going to be reading a scene today. Now, this uh, scene, um, mm. which we have today, one of Sam's absolute favourites. Um, I think he's read this scene probably more times than any other scene of in the entire series, because this was one of the audition scenes. Um, and so he's right. really keen to read it again. Um, and... Uh, we are we, we we couldn't be more more happy with that with that choice. I'm so so happy. Uh, there he is. So this is <laughs> uh, so what is what is this scene? This is from the first season, I, I guess. Um, and it's a Claire, a Jamie, and then I think Dougal appears, uh, and and Rupert. So so who's doing what? As obviously as the guest, it is your uh, honour to pick who plays what. So who's going to do what? Well, this, as you said, is a scene that um, was used in Outlander for the auditions, and I think actually more for Claire, uh, the Claire auditions. And I know that everyone heard this scene so many times. They were, dare I say, you couldn't be sick of a scene, but they were certainly, um, they've certainly heard it a fair number of times. And it's the stop help he's going over scene. Um, so yes, it's it's when uh, Jamie faints off a horse and Claire 
saves him the first time. Um, I, I too have read the scene a lot because uh, I was auditioning with a lot of Claire's and um, I am going to make a demand here. And that is that I don't have to do it. <laughs> Which is a first, I have to say, where someone has uh, come on the show and then refused to do the scene. Yes. Um, I so, think it's which, uh, so you two what... can um, argue amongst yourselves what, what character you would like to play. Um, I mean, mm. to be honest, I think I know which characters I'd like you to play, but um, I shall read the stage directions and anyone else that pops up in the scene. Fabulous. Well, I look forward to your, I think there's a Dougal and a Rupert. I look forward to that. Um, Thank you. So, Mr. Barry, who would you like, who would you like to, uh, to take on this occasion? Well, I don't want to fight over anything. I really want to know what, what's, how Sam sees me. Am I, am I, am I Claire? Am I Jamie? That's, that's what I'm intrigued. I want, I want Sam to, to cast me. Well, typecasting, of course. I mean, you would have to be a Claire. You've got the legs for it. We, we all know that. Um, yeah. And uh, and Downey has you know incredible facial hair that um, I think just instantly proves his masculinity. But <clears throat> I mean, are we going for typecasting or do we swap swap the roles? Uh, I, I can't decide. Uh, let's let's go with you, uh, Sam. I like how you've typecast me. That's that's my type. Good, great legs. I'm, yeah, I'm 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 I mean, down for it. You you have a wealth of acting ability. And um, I think playing a woman is is definitely one of them that you could you could do that. So let's um, let's go with that. Barry, you shall be Claire. Um, yep. Mr. Downey, you can be Jamie Alexander Malcolm Mackenzie Fraser. Fabulous, the full title there, lovely. That's on the birth certificate. Yep. <laughs> right. So uh, I'll begin. Fade in, please. Mm. Take us away, Sam. Um, Jamie. I just like to say the first line of a stage direction. This is a, a, a this 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 might happen to Jamie a lot. I'm not gonna. I was gonna make some rude joke here, but never mind. Behind her, Jamie's eyes flutter and he begins slumping over in the saddle. Claire awkwardly tries to grab him, but can't hold him. Claire. I'm trying to think of what rude joke it would be. A I just felt that Jamie. I know it doesn't matter. Yeah, that's it's early here. <laughs> Okay, Let's my mind is, is thinking something. I, okay, go, go. Think it best. I think it best. <laughs> okay, my mind too. That was fantastic, by the way. That was fantastic. <laughs> Just one more. Just cut that up. One more time. Behind her, Jamie's eyes flutter. I want to see the flutter, Mr. Downing. And he begins slumping over in the saddle. Oh, maybe we should do it also that, like, Jamie's had a skin full of whiskey and he's, you know, slightly inebriated. And maybe, yes. And maybe Claire, maybe, maybe Claire's got really bad gastric, gastric problems, and is okay. just very close to losing her inside. <laughs> okay, she's had, she's had some cheese, and yeah, she's not agreed with her. Seventeen hundred, right? Okay, so it's either going to come up either way. Okay, here we go. <clears throat> Behind her, Jamie's eyes flutter and he begins slumping over in the saddle. Claire awkwardly tries to grab him but can't hold him. I feel like this needs like fart noises or something. Like, yeah, stop. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> it's very highbrow. Very highbrow. Stop. Yes. <laughs> Help. He's <laughs> going over. How's that? Oh, oh God, that's wonderful. They rein in a mutter and Rupert jumped out just in time to catch Jamie as he tumbles out of the saddle. They ease him to the ground as Claire leaps down to quickly check his vitals. <laughs> Dougal and the other men gather around in concern. 
Oh, again, I can do a burp on cue. Hold on. Uh, is that really gross? I should do more. Looks good. Uh, he has a pulse. <laughs> <laughs> he's breathing. I think he's just fainted. Put a saddlebag under his feet. And if there's water, bring me some because I need it. <laughs> Murta and Neddy. I don't know who Neddy is. Quickly carry out her instructions as a Dougal leans down for a better look at Jamie. I think what she really needs is an antacid. She's taking one now. <clears throat> and now she is cured of all gastric problems. Well, she <sighs> is from the future, so she has these uh, abilities to cure herself. Right. She she brought an antacid. Maybe she made it up. She on the did. Yeah. yeah. That's me popping an antacid. Mm. Ah, cured. The gunshot wound has been bleeding again, and the idiot's been stabbed as well. I don't think it's serious, but he's lost all a lot of blood. Dougal turns to the others, says a few brief words in Gaelic, and then they tend to the horses. Claire works with what little she has, essentially tearing more strips from her dress to make her new dressing for the night's wound. Ooh, there's the legs coming out. Jamie begins to stir. He opens his eyes, his features pale and drawn in the moonlight. How is it, Ross? Get used. Uh, God. Oh. I'm all right. Just don't touch me. Do we better? Do we better? This is who are you? <laughs> I think I've hit. I think I've. Uh, I think I've hit the ground running now. <laughs> oh, how did I know this? It was going to be brilliant. <laughs> You are not all right. <laughs> if ever there was a line, it was true. You are not all right. Couldn't you tell how badly you were bleeding? You're lucky you're not dead, tearing around the countryside, brawling and fighting and throwing yourself off horses. She tries to put the bandages in place, but the jury-rigged dressings tend to slip away under her fingers. Uh, no. Come on, you goddamn bloody bastard. The other men literally stop and look at her in shock. Oh, it's me. Oh, here we go. It's Dougal. Oh, yeah. Here we go. Never heard a woman use... It sounds like Jamie, doesn't it? Never heard a woman use such language in all my life. Rupert to Claire. Your husband should tan your woman. St. Paul says, let a woman be silent and... You can mind your own bloody business and so can St. Paul. Ah, uh, this is Tamurta. Turn him to the left, to Jamie. And if you move so much as one single muscle while I'm trying to trying this bandage, I'll throttle you. All right. Oh, I see you, sir. Threats, sir. All right. I should my drink with you. Dougal leans down with his own flask. Wow. Uh, no more spirits for you. <laughs> I, don't, I think that's pro yes, probably wise. Um, he needs tea, or at worst, water, not alcohol. Dougal pulls the whiskey down Jamie's throat anyway. Tend to your business, woman. We have a good way to go tonight, and he'll need whatever strength that will drink can give him. He needs rest. We've got a good 15 miles yet to go. Five hours at the least. More likely, seven. Oh, it's me again. We'll stay long enough for you to stop the bleeding and dress the wound again. No much more than that. Dougal moves off, ending the conversation. Claire's eyes flare. Ooh. 
and she starts to go after him, but Jamie stops her with a word. Randall won't give up so easily. Randall, the name cuts through Claire and she gasps slightly. She quickly tries to regain her composure. Well, I patrols out in every direction from now. No, you, you get me, eh? We can't stay here because your horse is dead. <laughs> you know Randall? Black Jack Randall, that is? Oh, hey. Ow. <laughs> I don't know where I'm going with this. I love this. Good. Good. I won't rescue or anyone else being taken prisoner by that man. All right? If you're... Oh, dear. If you can't kind of fix me up well enough to ride, then you'll all be leaving me here with a loaded pistol. So I may determine my own fate. And I mean by shoot myself or something like that, just so we're clear. <laughs> Claire takes a beat to consider what Jamie has just said and applies herself <laughs> to his wounds. You could have at least told me you were stabbed before you fell up the horse. That was a bayonet. Oh, it was a bayonet. Yeah, I felt it going in. But I didn't hurt at the time, you know. Does it hurt now? Oh, yes, yeah, very much. <laughs> Good. <laughs> oh, Jamie's chuckle turns to a grunt. And she cinches up the wound. Oh, aye. Oh. <laughs> That's all I can do right now. The rest is up to you. Thank you. Sasnak. Truly. She looks into his eyes and is caught for a moment by the sincerity and strength she sees in the young Highlander. Then she gruffly <laughs> covers <laughs> her reaction. I said to you. Just filling in, just filling in. Filling in the dead air. I think Jamie would have done that. <laughs> like your... a bridge over a troubled water. Jesus Christ. <laughs> Jesus H. Roosevelt Christ. Let me finish the scene. She gives him a your... hand and he accepts her help. <sighs> Fantastic. End scene. That was I just... wow. so There you special. go. There you go. I just think you're very lucky I wasn't there on the day, Sam, because I think that reading um, in front of uh, the powers that be, they would have gone, I'll tell you something. I'll tell you. It's, it's like an aggressive elf, but I like it. Yeah. yeah. I think it adds a lot. I think um, I think if you had auditioned for Jamie, I think, to be honest, uh, it would have been a, a win. This is, this is it. This is it. I mean, madness. Well, what might have been. Um, but tell when so when you actually did come to, to actually do that scene, obviously... Not as well as that. Um, what uh, What do you remember of, 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 of that scene when you actually came to do it? Um, I mean, I, I'm still reeling from that performance, but... Um, it's going to take yes. days, Sam. It's going to take days to get over that. You'll be waking up screaming. I will. I'm going to try and incorporate a little bit of your Jamie into mine next season, I think. It's uh, it's definitely, I mean, somewhere to go with it, right? Um, the, uh, where, the, scene, the scene was, I think it was early on in shooting and there was, I remember with a couple of days we were in the a forest outside somewhere outside Cumbernauld and it was torrential torrential rain for a couple of days and the whole place was just this bog of mud it was awful and um that scene even though you you look, watch it it looks like it's a nice a nice evening and quite sort of autumnal evening 
um, in, in reality, I think we were all completely sodden and, and the ground was drenched and there was a, a gale blowing. But of course, everything on camera always looks so pretty and, and magical, doesn't it? Um, you, you never get to really see the rain on camera. But um, yeah, and then that scene, <clears throat> yeah, it was it was early on. And I guess probably one of the first times Katrina and I worked together. It wasn't the first time um, because we were shooting out a sequence, but uh, I know that it might have been the first time that Katrina says Jesus H. Roosevelt Christ, which is quite a mouthful, um, but a real catchphrase for Claire. And that's all I remember. <laughs> that's all I remember from that. From that no, it's, it's to be honest, it's Lovely. the first moment that, that Jamie really falls falls in love with Claire. It's a, I would almost like a love at first sight. There's a moment there where I think in the stage directions, it says he, he looks up at her. And I've always felt that that was the moment that he... Um, sees this, I mean, she's sort of, he's delirious and he's lost a lot of blood and um, and he comes to, and actually it kind of happens a lot that <clears throat> Jamie reaches near death and then she saves him and she's the first thing that he sees. And I think that that's the moment. She's like this creature from another time. Um, and to him, you know, she's remarkable. And I think, yeah, there, there was a moment there, I think. I, that I think you see in... in the show that um, Jamie really kind of is just uh, falls in love with her, is all struck by her. Smitten. Smitten, I think, yeah. <clears throat> but it is interesting that there is there are all these moments where Jamie does, you know, kind of go towards death or, or wherever it is. He's literally on, on the cusp of life and death and uh, there's either a choice made by him or there's a moment where she brings him back from death. And I think it's uh, it's kind of interesting that, that he probably would have died a hundred times uh, in the show um, or in the <laughs> books. And then she somehow manages to bring him back to life. Well, I think, you know, this is great because it's all about beginnings. And I think this is where um, we'd probably like to start this interview is going back to the, to the beginning. Um, and then we're going to travel through the, the rich tapestry uh, up to Outlander, which I think will be a great sort of place to begin and end, as it is a beginning and it is also... Is time travel end. in this episode? Time. time we're going to time travel. Oh, so we, we, kind of, we kind of are anyway, because we've already done this, but we're exactly. doing it again. Wow, yeah. It's getting really yeah. meta. Really meta. It's getting now. very meta. We're gonna mix. We're gonna mix recordings. It's gonna sound. It's gonna sound fan. It's gonna sound fan. I don't. Multi I don't know which one I'm supposed to be in though. Am I in this one or the last one? Just don't meet your future or present self, because the world will end. Right? Present Sam can't meet future Sam or past Sam. You can never meet yeah, yourself. That's then, that's one rule of time travel. Right. Okay. Yeah. yeah. But I mean, <clears throat> in Back to the Future. I mean, there's definitely a point where he sees himself doing stuff. Yeah, but you can't true. touch. You can't touch. Okay. I won't touch anyone. Don't touch past Sam. Don't, <laughs> Don't touch past Sam. <laughs> you, it, it would be quite a struggle with Outlander if no one was allowed to touch, wouldn't it? We wouldn't, it would be a different show. That'd be, that'd be COVID Outlander, I think. That would, that would be social isolation, social distancing Outlander. Yeah. 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 Anyway, anyway, but going back, going back to the beginning, before we before we would come to these rich, fertile lands of twenty twenty, um, let's we'll take it back to the beginning. So we'll take it back to young Sam playing oh. in the fields of Scotland. Oh I, right, I, I assume I'm, I'm going that far back, not too far. Obviously uh, not five, what, Tim, and then onward. 
I'm going to add a sound effect here in post-production. It's going to sound something like this. Okay, I'm just leaving a space and then it will happen. Keep going. It's a way back sound effect. Can I get some sound effects put in as well? Sure. What would you like? Um... Uh, like like a horse, you know, like a sort of uh, articulated lorry, like a, a, an American truck. Like, like something like yep. That. You don't have to do the sound effect. I can put it in. But, oh, okay. Yeah. Yeah. Or like I'm, that in. You know, in the cartoon when like the cartoon characters, oh, you should do it with Claire when he like see, you know, when they seize his love of his life and his heart mm-hmm. like beats out of his chest. It's like, ba-dum, ba-dum, yeah. Ba-dum. Or, or, you know, the tongue rolls out when they're like, ah, it's like they're okay. extremely excited. I, I will yeah. put all these sound effects. Again, I don't need you to give me the sound effects. <laughs> oh, right. But it's like, when you, it's like you know, when when you're given uh, on set, you're given a gun, and they say, so you're going to you're gonna shoot that person over there, and you go, Pew. you don't have to do the sound of I know, but I've been, I'm doing it again. Oh, yes, yes, you don't. Don't yeah, you don't have to do that. But in your head, because you're still six, running around (laughs) with a stick. Well, yes, but so there we go. It is a good point. Like so, for instance, I get um, teased quite a bit on Outlander by Katrina because during fight scenes I make a lot of noises. Um, But but it actually is this. It's necessary. Like it's a a part of the fight. In that. it, it helps the action. It helps the other car- actor know when you're about to hit them. But it is a problem because you do kind of start to go too far with it. And I do tend to do everything. I haven't quite got as far as doing a lightsaber noise, but um, yeah. I do a great lightsaber Give it time. Yeah. Oh, my God. That would be so good, wouldn't it? It's good. It's pretty good, huh? Oh, that's good. That, yeah. is a good. that is good. Thank you. Thank you. Why have I you never be told like, me this before? I, I, I do a really good helicopter as well. Hold on. Go on then. That's pretty good, huh? That's great. I can do a uh, pouring a bottle. Obviously, always alcohol related. And it goes something like. That's really good. That's very good. Tim, you, your, your your turn. I used to be able. I don't know if I can still do, but I used to be able to do drips like that. Yeah, I'll buy that. Do we use any of these sound effects in a sex scene, though? I want to know. Use them in a fight scene. I think, I think you'd definitely <laughs> use all. I think you'd. I think you'd use all of them. I think you would, <laughs> wouldn't you? I think you'd definitely use all of them. Yeah, for sure. We'll leave it up to. We'll leave it up to the listener to decide which order. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Good. Yeah. It's all, it's all happening. It's all. Happening. Oh God. Yes, that's a scene so, that I want to see. That's the scene that we should we should have been doing. Um, but what what I mean, do you come from a from a you know an acting background? From you a know, sound effect a world, a sound of effect from a Foley artist family, <laughs> yeah. like the guy from Police We're Academy. Together. <laughs> <laughs> um, do I come from that? Not really. I mean, I, I, I what an artistic family, maybe. Yeah, yeah. Um, my mom, my mom's an artist, and um, yeah, I guess I grew up. Uh, briefly, I grew up in the borders of Scotland, and yeah, I did spend a lot of time running around with a pretend sword and you know beating or whatever kids do in the fields. So I was very lucky. I very rural um, upbringing. So um, <clears throat> I actually was in the brought up in a in the grounds of an old castle, and um, 
it was you know sort of my playground so yeah pretty idyllic but um pretty awesome and then i moved to edinburgh when i was uh, a teenager and kind of discovered uh discovered theater there at the Royal Lyceum. so um yeah that's kind of where i fell in love with acting i guess and you were did you work backstage for a yeah. bit yeah i did yeah, yeah. I, um after i left school i wasn't quite sure i was going to go do english uh, university i had a place um at aberdeen university and i um d- d- didn't go i delayed it for a couple of years and went to work backstage and sort of try out theater because i wasn't really sure what i wanted to do and i worked at the traverse theater during the festival the edinburgh festival and um i remember i was just in awe of the actors on stage <clears throat> one in particular tom mcgovern who i'd seen play lots of different plays um at the lyceum and I was just so obsessed and I was just like watching them and I was carrying a bit of decking uh, with the stage manager and I was just too busy watching the actors on stage rehearse that I dropped the decking on his hand and he had a huge scar on his hand. He had to go to hospital and have like 12 stitches or whatever. And I think at that point I knew that it wasn't really for me. And Yeah. Um, yeah. I'm going to be out front not yeah. carrying decking. Yeah. And there's probably now a stage manager at the Traverse Theatre who's still got, you know, the scars to prove it. The scars to prove it. That, that's Sam Hewan. Right. That's who. <laughs> Never let him darken my stage again. Don't let him carry flats <laughs> with you. That's all I'm saying. <laughs> Nothing practical. Absolutely ridiculous. Um, but then you, you obviously you finished drama school. You moved down to London. Oh, I moved um, to London, yeah. And I was living there and uh, like a jobbing actor, I guess, like all of us, we have to do, you know, just rehearse, uh, just auditioning on stuff and bits and pieces here and there. And um, I mean, a long story short, um, amongst that, you know, working in bars and restaurants and doing whatever you have to do to get to get a job. But um, I did do uh, I did audition with a, uh, for an advert series of adverts for a Scottish beer company where I met um, this incredible uh actor he wasn't available so then they cast tim downey <laughs> oh this is all i wasn't gonna wow. i wasn't gonna bring this up but thanks <laughs> thanks for bringing that up but uh yes which was i think we worked out the other day it was over 10 years ago that we did that mm. over yeah. 10 years ago. and yeah. um which was great fun because i can remember going into those castings and they said i think it was near the end they said come which they do for a lot of castings is they say is there's a whole thing yeah, with actors and, and casting uh, people, specifically for adverts, is they don't have much imagination as to what you can look like dressed as other things. So I remember that we all had to, at some point, come in in tweeds. So, like, mm. come dressed like Victorian gentlemen. So I can remember then, obviously, wandering through Soho, dressed as a Victorian gentleman. You, it's, it's a bit strange. People look at you and go, oh, he's either an actor or some sort of role player in a dinner theatre for an Agatha Christie. Yeah. It's going to be something something like that. But uh yes, and that's and that's uh and that's where we met. And I then, think it's what, was, what, was your what was your costume? I think I, I remember you Tim, of course, you kind of are of that period and I remember you just looked brilliant. You were in like a waistcoat, I think, because you're obviously playing the butler and I think you were in, you know, matching trousers and I think I just remember you looking like of course you look like that. You look fantastic. And I don't think I had anything. I had a long coat, I think, that I used, um, which helped. But isn't it interesting? Because I remember actually auditioning a lot in London and 
also in your early years, you're always thinking, should I come dress as the character or should I not? Yeah. And I remember like going to some auditions, going the whole hog and being like, why well, I feel like an idiot here. What am I doing? But I, I think I got at least one job off the back of just wearing a really nice suit. I remember going in and the guys going, oh, that's a really nice suit. And I think that's, it wasn't my acting ability. They just they just wanted to see the suit. So true. Yeah. You always get the brain and you're like, do I wear the thing? Do I hint at the character? Or do mm. I just like, nah, they can, they'll, they have the imagination. They'll see it. Like, I mean, did you come in for J Jamie Fraser audition in a kilt? I'm guessing no, right? Did you have like a um, no. Yeah, I did. I have, you know, full kilt and uh, covered in blood. Yeah. Yep. No, I didn't. I, but I did actually have a, I did buy a, like a, a, one of these t-shirts that um, is sort of a button up that looks that, like could be slightly period, I guess. So yeah, and I guess, and again, it's like a, it's a hint, isn't it? Yeah. <laughs> um, yeah. Yeah. <laughs> just a look. Just a look. So we've now all got wardrobes that are just full of sort of, I don't know. Puffy shirts. <laughs> yeah, yeah. <laughs> I have, I have some very, very odd things. I did, I did a series of commercials for uh, Orbits in the states, which is a travel mm. company, mm. Uh, which was great. You know, you got flown all over the world and everything. But they had a very specific suit, uh, so I have that suit. Um, but it, it, you just find that your wardrobes are just clogged with just rubbish because you yeah. kind of think, "Oh yes, I'll have mm. that. That'll be useful." And you think, "I'm never going to wear that anywhere." never ever unless i mean it's a white suit like literally apart from like going to the tennis or the cricket where on earth am i going to wear a white a white suit that's true I you're, think just never, you're just never going to do it strange yeah. thing i ever wore i had um a uh, an audition where i had to play some kind of wizard and he was fighting a dragon and I, most of it was just big printed there was no dialogue it was just like and now the wizard like throws a fireball at a dragon then the dragon breathes fire and i had to be go like a lot of sound effects like yeah and maybe i might have even put like some fire i have a good fire sound effect on us it's pretty good isn't it, it that's is. a dragon breathing fire yeah did you get the job i didn't but the the the, co the costume that I, I had a i had a coat that was made for me in drama school for like an 18th century thing it was like blue and i'd stole it from the production and it had like big sleeves and a big collar and i felt more like a wizard but i also felt when i watched back the tape that i looked like a bit of an idiot <laughs> because i was dressed in this thing pretend fighting a dragon um and uh making sound effects but you about to say something sam before i uh, describe my no i i just thinking back to mine now and, and just how embarrassed i am because i guess as an actor as well you know uh, also, I, I come from drama school and then having done theatre, you know, so for instance, a pair of boots, right? They they make you walk a different way and feel a different way and stand a different way. And of course, going into a TV audition, do you need to wear a pair of thigh-high nail, hobnail boots? Probably not, but I I did definitely turn up in them. And of course, you know, all they can see, in, you know, in your audition is generally, you know, your head and shoulders. Yeah. But yet, you know, I've got on the full, the full gear, and and you're just, and then you see some really cool actor who's like kind of famous who walks in in a t-shirt and a pair of right. jeans and like hugs the casting director and their best friends, and you're just like, God damn it! Yeah, that's not why did I wear the wizard's hat? Why am I, I wearing this? I always <laughs> remember with 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 castings as well. There was always at least one actor. There's always one actor in any casting you ever go to. 
who is massively overly friendly with the casting director slash director slash yeah. whoever they're dealing with. Yeah. So you will kind of sit there and worry and kind of think, okay, this is really exciting. I'm going to look at my lines and read my script. And then as soon as there's other, I remember this one time, the first time it happened to me was this uh, guy walked in. He looked hungover. Instantly, I thought, oh, God. He came, comes in, sits down, looks hungover. I think the director was walking through and went, oh, my, oh my God, like Michael. Michael, how are you? And, oh, good. Yeah, I just got back from, uh, from L.A. filming on a submarine. Um, absolutely exhausting. It was me, uh, Sean Penn, yeah. um, oh, and a couple of other guys. You know, uh, it was absolutely exhausting. So uh, he goes, oh, you're coming in for this. Yeah, you know, I thought, why not? You know, saw your name, thought I'd pop in. <laughs> why not? And then he walks off. And you just kind of you just feel like throwing uh, the script at the floor. This is ridiculous. Yeah. Absolutely ridiculous. <laughs> you know, yeah. it's probably all, all show. But that is That's always everybody. the most demoralizing when when someone comes in because everyone a hug. Did you get the muffins? Oh, come on. That's not fair. Yeah. I remember doing I remember actually... oh, no, You go, you carry. go, you go. No, carry on. Okay, fine, I'll go. I, I went for an audition in LA and you 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 um spend ages just driving to the audition. It takes you like an hour to drive wherever you need to go to in LA. And you park the car, you need to find, you need to interpret. Just interpreting the street signs in LA and the parking yeah. signs is, is like a, a quest in itself. It's you need part to of the audition, it. isn't it? It's, it's part of the audition. Part of, yeah. Finding the, the parking and stressing that, okay, you, you're never really certain that the place that you parked is legal or not. So you just kind of leave the car there. You go to <laughs> yeah. the audition and then you try and find your way to wherever it is that you're supposed to go. Um, you, you turn up on time. And then you inevitably see like 10 people already ahead of you who all look exactly the same as you. And then um, the, the, you, you announce yourself there and the person who's taking the audition like unceremoniously says something like, yeah, okay, great, sit down. And I remember like standing, waiting at the audition for like at least a half hour after my call, like when I was scheduled to be there. I was thinking, who the hell is in there? Comes out. Milo Ventimiglia he's like so friendly with the casting director and he's just exactly like you said Tim and he's like yeah 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 thank you thanks so much for the audition like shaking hands super friendly and I'm thinking okay so that's why I'm late okay at least now half an hour I can deal with that um now it's my turn to go back in and then um I think it's my my cue and then um just is about to announce me to say hey Milo would you mind coming back in so it goes in for another half hour. Oh, and so it's like, oh. this This is the story of what it is to be a, a jobbing actor before you're famous. But um, yeah. maybe things are different now that, um, I don't know, are things different for you now, Sam? I'd so, I mean, I think we could probably talk guy. about those, those, those auditions for ages though. But because yeah, I remember actually my, my first, one of my first auditions at LA and I, again, the driving yourself there, finding it, finding where to park. And then just going, I don't know. I'm just going to leave the car. And if it's there when I come back, it's there. And I remember coming back to find my car and I had a ticket. And apparently I had parked um, at the wrong time on the street in the wrong direction of travel too far away from the curb. So I got like <laughs> I got all this little list of things that I had done wrong, you know, on top of like not getting the part on the audition. But And actually, there was another one I remember. So I, was, I spent a lot of time in L.A. and I had a manager out there. Uh, a long time ago and i was going in for um for aquaman the tv show and uh i'd been in a few times on it and um i had this like blue shirt on light blue shirt and like trying to be all beachy i had like 
flip-flops on and I don't know, God, no, God knows what else. But I'm, yeah, but they, they exactly just him. And they had me sit in a chair and it was like a, an ex-airline chair, like a leather airplane seat. And I was waiting for about 45 minutes and I was just about to go and I looked down and it was so hot and I wasn't used to, I'm not used to being in LA and it's hot. I literally sweated through the whole shirt. So it was practically see-through. And so I ran downstairs to my manager and I was like, luckily he was there. And I was like, give me your shirt. My manager was about 22 stone, uh, like quite a large guy. Okay, that's I big. don't know what that is in pounds, but he, he's a very big man. So we swapped shirts there and I went into my audition with this like oversized billowy shirt on and flip-flops and i'm thinking this is aquaman i am aquaman i am aquaman <laughs> you are swimming in a t-shirt so bad but, uh, there's a, a ton of those but um you know as you say like uh things change and actually suzanne smith who uh casts outlander um, you know, for years I would see her on auditioning for other things. And, and actually, you know, she's fantastic. She's obviously done your podcast. And, um, but I remember being kind of terrified of her because she did all the big TV shows. I remember she did Band of Brothers, which was one of my favorite TV shows. And um, I was kind of scared of her. Um, and uh, But then when actually, after the years of going in and, and not getting a job, you do get to, to know who these people are and you do sort of form a relationship. And, you know, now, you know, I love seeing her and, She's she's wonderful. You know, it gives you a big hug when you come in. So I guess in a way, full circle, we are now those people that walk in and go, we are Suzanne, hey. Exactly that. Exactly that. And I, and I actually, podcast. to be honest with you, I embrace it. I embrace <laughs> it. I will absolutely walk in yeah. with muffins and go, oh, sure. how, how oh, are you? Sure. How is everything? Did you Could manage be's... to move? Is the cat okay? That Could be's on the submarine. Yeah, was hanging out. Exactly. How was how was David? Oh God! Let me tell you about that. I tell you what we'll do. We'll do that coffee. Yeah, we'll do it Thursday. We'll do the thing. Okay. No, we'll get on. Do this, shall we? That kind yeah. of thing. Oh, Just man. gonna <laughs> throwing a side eye to the other actor. Going, yeah. You might as well yeah. leave now. <laughs> <laughs> and why are you wearing a wizard's hat? Yeah. Exactly. <laughs> <laughs> you both. Yeah. Yeah. But one of the first things I remember, obviously, after our uh, tenants, well, you know what I was going to say as well, is one of the guys that directed, we had a couple of directors, but one of the guys that directed, I think, our first ad for tenants, um, is a guy called Danny Kleinman. Yes. Who I then found out is is best friends with, with Harry Enfield. So there's a link to me there. And also he directed the title sequence for, I think it's Spectre. So when you watch Spectre, oh. that whole title sequence he directed. And I think he won a battle. Oh, wow. So, there you go. Bond link. That's just cool. A little, yeah. Just a, little, um, just a little something there. Yeah. No, I mean, those those were great fun, those adverts we did together. And we did them over a number of years. And I remember mm. we, we ended up going to South Africa uh, with it, which was such a great experience. And we did Prague, which was just a, a really yes. fun fun journey there, wasn't it? But um, was, yeah. Yes. By bus. I remember, for those that we, don't know, we traveled there by bus. You guys hang out? Like, what, did you, what did you guys do? We played backgammon, didn't we? Played a lot of backgammon. I think we watched really? Rambo. And then, you know, you, you do you do get close to someone where they say, so uh, we're now in the German lay-by. How, where, where do we, where do we sleep? Oh, you sleep at, you sleep at the front in the bunks and the bunks on the, I mean, it's an extraordinary coach. It wasn't like a bus. 
like you know a number 77 going to trafalgar square it was a you know a proper kind of band coach that kind of thing bands on tour but the bunks are incredibly narrow so you do feel like you're getting in like into like a slightly luxurious coffin because they are so sort of you kind of have to sidle in but if you were to get up quite quick you'd smack your head on the on the top of the of the bunk but uh, you do get you do get quite close when you suddenly realize well here we are we don't know when prague's coming we're in the middle of wherever we are yeah and actually right. i remember the, the the one we did in south africa i mean i love south africa you know i've been there about three times now shooting on on you know outlander and on bloodshot but um but the one in south africa we did it was like a sort of montage of places so we were in the jungle and then on the desert um we were on the mountains uh and it was just it was so fun and i yeah tim as you can guess is a great a great traveling companion um but i haven't i don't think i've played backgammon since actually did you did you work out together (laughs) sam worked out i i think well i remember that one thing i remember and then we were in prague was i think i was downstairs ha- uh, probably emptying like the free coffee and getting some pastries and then you you were coming in i was like what's where's he been what's he doing and you know you've just been i just been yeah just been for about you know five mile run like really he says he's eating a pan of chocolate <laughs> really but it's like seven in the morning really because uh, yeah, i know, I know with, with my time on outland if i ever want to hang out with you sam it's got, to, it's got to be a workout, which I'm not at all opposed to. I love working out. Like, that's what we do in our spare time is like, mm. it's like an actor. You like, you're on set or you're working out. And then working out kind of becomes like, not just a chore, but it becomes like a lifestyle. Yeah. And and um, hitting the yeah. gym is like a really it's a, good release. It is. It's, a, I mean... It's tough, isn't it? Because I think we don't get to hang out enough, or any of us, you know. And I think some people, some people seem to find time, but um, just when you're on Outlander, especially, you know, it's just so all-consuming, and your hours are so, so, so narrow. Any time off you have, you have to sort of fit in everything else, right? And there's like the the life stuff, everyday stuff, like sort of life admin, like I don't know, washing your clothes, or I don't know, doing the dishes, or I don't know, making dinner, or working out. Um, and then once you've done all of those, you realize you have very little time to actually kind of spend time with other people. And, and also, uh, I personally, you know, I spend a lot of time on set surrounded by people. So I generally just want to lock myself in, in a dark room and stare at the wall for a bit. Because um, it's so full on, um, Outlander. It really is. It's a pretty intense schedule. You need time to decompress. For me, like going to the gym is, is a good way to decompress. Is like you get get into your body and it's something that i prioritize even if i know that you tended to do it before a day i mm. can't do that because that would just wipe me for the rest of the day i usually i probably feel better if i did it that way but mm. then i would also just kind of probably peak at about 3 p.m. and then just crash and then, but so yeah. i tend to like try and fit it in um, at the end of the day but the mm. hardest thing is trying to find a good hotel gym, I find. Hotel gyms are so bad. Yeah, yeah. Are you with me on this? Yeah. Sorry, I mean, alienated him from this conversation. Sorry, Tim. Tim, tell us I've about got nothing to add to this. I've only ever seen the gym where they say there's a gym, and I go, well, I'm ignoring that. There's a swimming pool. I'll probably ignore that. 
So where is, all I want to know is where, where's there a cafe? Where's there a small sort of like back room, um, smoke filled back room that I can just put myself in? That'll be fine. You know, my vent is to write a very sort of uh, uh, expressionistic poem. That's my, that's my vent at the end yeah. of the day. God, I've just got to get out these superlatives. Oh God, these synonyms are just going to kill me otherwise. Um, so that's it, which will probably mean pushing me towards an early grave or I'll outlive you all. It's going to be... Well, uh... Yeah, probably will actually. Yeah, maybe. <laughs> or which, which hotel has the best pastries, Tim? But... Now that I can tell you. Yeah. That I can tell you. You probably don't want to Wonder... name here. Yeah. There's a wonderful one in Fulham. There's a fabulous <laughs> pan of chocolate. Honestly, you will... I kind of rate it highly enough. But you know what? It's, it is interesting because even just now, you know, I've just spent the last couple of weeks doing some some pickups for men in kilts, and um, it uh, it it was interesting because I wanted to sort of stay slightly fit on the road, and I'm working towards doing something else, hopefully at the end of the year. And it's like, well, how do you remain fit while staying in hotels or, or, or traveling? And it's always been a, a like a slightly I guess not a concern, but a, a consideration of mine. And I guess in a way, that's kind of why I got into MPC and doing all that stuff because, um, you know, want to sort of create workouts that are easy to do and that everyone can do. And um, yeah, I, I, I agree, you know, I do them in the morning because it sort of G's me up and I feel, um, I feel good when I get to work. But, but I have to admit around three, four o'clock in the afternoon, my brain starts to, starts to shut off and uh, it can be pretty tough if you're on a long day shoot, but, it also gives me energy, I find. Yeah. Yeah. It's my shutdown noise. Yeah. yeah. No, I'm with you. It's like in, in quarantine, I've had to, I don't, I haven't hit the gym. So I've had to figure out very intuitive ways of working out because um, actually this is something that we haven't really discussed um, before. We've discussed food, Tim, but actually having a fit mind and body, this is a good part of mental health, a good part of your general health, but actually as part of an actor, like for me, your body is your instrument and you what for every actor, but um, there's a certain aesthetic like you, you sometimes find yourselves in like, like Sam, you, you're doing a lot of like leading man roles and so forth, you know, bloodshot. A lot of your roles have been very physical and they, they, they demand mm. a certain physicality and that demands that you keep a very strict fitness regimen. And that is something that can also like, like really tie you to something and, for me, it ties me to a gym and it means like in quarantine, I was like, okay, I, one of my first priorities was like, okay, I got to lock down some weights. I got to lock down um, some fitness equipment and I got to make sure like that as a priority is something that I take care of just as like, not just, a, just for, as a kind of luxury. It's like, no, this is my priority. It's part of my work. Um, mm. and, that's, and I imagine that's why you do it part of the morning. It's not just you saying like, okay, this is time for myself. It's actually part of like, an investment in my work and who I am. Oh, um, yeah, absolutely. Yeah. Yeah. I think we've all, you know, um, it's just, it just sort of seems to be a requirement these days. And actually, it was interestingly hearing about uh, Robert Patterson, you know, Robert Patterson. Yeah. And he apparently was saying, you know, I'm not going to go to the gym or get, get big or work out. You know, I, I want to be, um, I'm not interested in that, but, or, or whatever he said. But, but I, I sort of, I think he's probably two things there. Firstly, he probably looks great with his top off anyway. And and secondly, yeah, he's playing an ordinary human being, right? I mean, Batman is is just a regular guy, but he has, you know, all these access to, to amazing technology, I guess. And 
Um, he's not a superhero, so to speak. So there probably isn't a requirement to be huge. Um, but it is interesting, yeah, I think, especially being an actor, um, looking at other actors, you see all these leading men who are just, you know, on the surface, they're, they look like they're all massive and have great biceps. And, um, but yeah, it's, it's interesting. It does, this has certainly become part of the industry, I guess. Yes, I find it intimidating. Mm. <laughs> yeah. Beauty standard. Yeah. Um, but I think it's yeah. kind of fake as well. And I think, you know, it's interesting because you see a movie and, you know, the actor or, or actress looks incredible. And, they're you know, you hear about their workout routine that they've worked with a special trainer and they've been eating like this and blah, 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 blah. But the point is they're not doing that year round. They're doing it for a specific time, maybe even one day where they're like, okay, this is the day where you, you're going to appear semi-nude or you're going to take your top off or whatever. So they work towards that, that finite moment. And actually, the rest of the year, they're not because it's not sustainable. It's absolutely not sustainable. It's not healthy to to live your life like that um, for an extended period of time. Maybe if that's your only job, if your only job is to to look good on, you know, on camera, if you're a fitness model or something. But for for someone else, you know, who's in, who's in everyday life or, you know, whatever job you do, I think it, it, it is really difficult. But we all think that's what we should look like all the time. And actually... Yeah, we all have downtime. We all have time when our bodies aren't. Did you have to? Did you have to bulk up for Jamie? Uh, yeah, I did. Yeah, I, I, um, I, I used to run a lot, obviously, as Tim said, and I, you know, I did a lot of marathon training, and um, I was really into fitness that way. But uh, with Outlander, they did. They got me a trainer and um, I put on uh, quite a bit of weight. I mean, I was, I can't remember how heavy I was, but I put on some weight. Yeah, they always said that they. They didn't want Jamie to look like he'd been in the gym, um, which I think was always an excuse for me to not like have a six pack, you know, like I could just <laughs> look a little bit soft. But the point is he is, you know, he's, he's a, he's a warrior and he's a farmer and he does all, these, you know, he's all these things, but he's certainly not, um, you know, doing bicep curls in front of a mirror. So yeah, he looks, needs to look capable, but not like he's, uh, unreal i love how this is coming from producers who actually don't actually know how you get that body it's like we kind of want a body that looks like he's in the gym yeah. but not him so no bicep curls but he want i want him to have biceps <laughs> yeah like, how do you do yeah. that <laughs> yeah i kind of went really full out on it and i think season one i got pretty big and there was a point where i realized i just got too big you know i you, you become because on camera as well i mean that that's saying where it adds what is it 10 pounds yeah um but but it you know it does it does add weight to you and you don't actually need to be huge on camera um to look big you can actually just it's more about you look at brad pitt fight club okay something like that he wasn't big he's just really defined really really lean so uh it's interesting i don't know it's a part of the the journey i guess but, uh, anyway we've probably bored everyone with talking about <laughs> working out <laughs> No, I don't think anyone's bored about thinking about you doing a workout. <laughs> Our audience They're going to be pausing this and rewinding this bit. <laughs> yeah. Pausing and rewinding, pausing and rewinding. That's all that is. But I was going to talk about uh, a similar thing because I remember seeing you in, an, it was Amphibians. Oh, yeah. Yeah. You did at oh, you Bridewell. Did yeah. I did. I did. I actually, I even found the, the, uh, the, the little brochure, the little program. 
Oh, wow. From that the other day, I was clearing out cool. to that cupboard. To that, well, no one could see it, but the cupboard behind me. Mm-hmm. Kind of, you know, he's kind of put all your all your stuff and stuff. And I actually found it. So I will, uh, I will uh, take a photo and send it to you. Oh, please but, do. Um, yeah, I will. I will indeed. But yeah, so that I mean, that was about swimmers. Yeah. So again, you had to be quite defined mm-hmm. for that, obviously, because you're being an Olympic Olympic swimmer. Mm. Um, I mean, would you do any more any more theatre? I mean, I know it's difficult, obviously, doing Outlander and. Mm doing a theatre piece takes up such a chunk of time and is all consuming on that one thing. But would you, would you do more theatre, do you think? Oh, I'd love to. I mean, I, I know you gents, you know, well, I don't know if you both would like to do it as well, but I, I love the theatre. And I mean, at the moment, obviously, with everything that's happening in the world, I think it's really sad to see what's happening to, to that industry. And hopefully we'll find a way to get for a, theaters and and everyone that works in that industry to get back to work because it's um it's really necessary and it's a shame that it hasn't been supported by by the powers that be but yeah i'd love to amphibians was a a show that was a site-specific show so it was it was not held in a theater per se it was actually in an old victorian swimming pool and it sounds crazy but they had the audience sit in the pool obviously no water that would be slightly dangerous but um but and it was all about this these two Olympic swimmers who were ex Olympic swimmers who basically were kind of uh, almost not plagued but but um, my character he 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 was couldn't couldn't live his life without without swimming like he he was really struggling with with you know I guess you've lived your whole life with one particular role at a very high standard and then what happens to you after that's all gone and. Um, we worked with an Olympic swimmer, I think, uh, I can't quite remember his name, Adrian, I think, but, um, it was so interesting talking to them about, you know, sport, talking to sports people about, you know, what is, what is, uh, what is a life after, after, um, you worked at such a high, high rate and mm. achieved so many great things, but it was a really beautiful piece. And I really, I loved that one. It was really fun, but yeah, it's playing a, playing a swimmer and, um, it was a very physical part. So yeah, we had to get pretty fit for that. But um, I would love to do theatre. I've been talking a lot about it to various people. And one day, hopefully, we'll be back treading the boards. This is it. Um, the ghost lights yeah. will be turned off. That's we'll it. be allowed, allowed back on the stage, which would be great. Yeah. It's happening too soon. but I know. It's, um, it's really sad. And uh, I just hope. Yeah, I hope at some point we, we find a way of doing it. I mean, it, it is interesting to see. You know, it's not... Um, Interesting to see, you know, that, that certain industries are allowed to go back with very similar settings or scenarios. I mean, theatre for me, I don't think it. What do I know? But I'm sure there's a way around it that we could make it a safe environment. But if bars and restaurants are allowed to go back, and well, exactly, if you can sit on a plane for eleven hours next to someone, I'm sure you can go and see a pinter for uh, for an yes. hour and a half, maybe with a little drink afterwards. You know, oh, I'm lovely. sure there's a way. Oh, I'm sure there's a way. I'm sure yeah. there's a way. Um, well, this brings us all very, very neatly up to uh, the sort of the, the the end of the beginning or the beginning of the end, if oh, you uh, in our in our meta puzzle of uh, of an interview. Because <laughs> we arrive at we arrive at Outlander, um, mm. and how I feel did like you... I've been here before. Yeah. Just don't just don't meet your present self. Your past. And don't present. meet your present self. We've okay. we've been through this. Yeah. If you start seeing yourself, just a reminder, it's all going to get reminder. it's all going to get murky. Um, but I, I take it much like you know any casting. Your agent rang you up and said, 
I don't know if you're free Thursday, but I've got a casting for you. I think it, it was something a like Thursday. that. Yeah, I think it was. Yeah. Um, See, that's, no, that's that's good. I mean, it's interesting. I just come back from America. Another pilot season spent um, there. You know, if people don't know, pilot season was a season, and it still kind of happens now, but it's changed a little bit. Where a lot of networks are commissioning pilot episodes of TV shows that then could go on to be commissioned. So there's a lot of work um, opportunity there, and I spent a bit of time there and got close on on, on a lot of was stuff. Aquaman come back to Outlander wasn't no, no Aquaman, I, I, Aquaman. Oh, Aquaman. No, that was um, a couple of years before. Actually, I think the last thing I auditioned for there was Agents of Shield. I think I. Right. Um, I tested on that, uh, got close, and then didn't happen. Came up to UK, yeah, and was was you know realized that yet again you know I'd spent all my my savings and and was looking down the barrel of um, signing on or work. Can you explain what it is to get a test deal or a or a network a test deal and what it is to go through that audition thing? Uh, I mean, it's it's hazy to me, but it's basically where you've gone through whatever rounds of auditions there are. And, whatever it is. And then eventually, I mean, it's changed a lot as well recently, but when I was auditioning way back, I think, you know, you would go into, depending on who it was, a screen test or a, a network test. And, and it, it could be, for instance, Aquaman was where you go into a room and you have everyone there, all the heads of the network, the studio, whoever it is. I mean, there would be like anyone in their dog, you know, the lawyers there and the, the tea lady, whoever. Yeah. I mean, there was like a whole room of people and you had to do the audition in front of them. Um, also, at that same point, they may be recording it camera as well and you may be reading with whoever potentially they've got to play opposite you. So maybe there's a star or a chemistry test, you know, someone else. Um, and I think at that point, you've you've done the deal, right? So you've signed your contract. So your, your uh, lawyers and accountants, uh, your lawyers and, and agents have all um, to discuss the terms so in your mind you're going in going oh my god this is going to change my life I've already spent the money on my house and my car and, and it's going to pay all my debts and and so you there's so much more pressure on the job as well the audition because you're thinking of the potential of how it could change your life um, and then you go into the room and there's like four other people that look like you all standing there sweating as well and you're like oh god yeah you've all signed a test deal as well yeah yeah and yeah. sometimes famous. I, I I did the same, you know, perhaps more famous than you and, and like going on the doing doing their, their test, um mm. going in the room. But yeah, you describe it really well. But uh it's, yeah, you you'd done you'd done a couple of things and got close to it where you thought, okay, my life is gonna change. I've got I've got this in the bag, and then you the inevitable inevitable disappointment when it doesn't happen, you're like, Oh man, I'd built up all my dreams of like my mm. life changing with this pilot that might have gone ahead or this series because when you get the test deal you actually sign up at that point before you've actually got the role for like seven seasons it's usually six yeah. or seven um because that's yeah. just the, the standard thing that, that they lock you into um and you don't really know what you're signing up for at that point you know it's like but it, you don't really care it's like yeah fine i'll yeah. sign up for six seasons i'll sign up for seven i'll sign yeah. up for ten just give me yeah. a role <laughs> you yeah. um, you're not really yeah. thinking of it at that point um, and mm. then when it doesn't happen, it's just, you're like, wow, I'd, I'd planned 10 years of my life, seven years, six, and then it didn't happen. So yeah, sorry, pick up where you, you dropped off. You'd had no, the you're, you're, 
They're like, well, that happens so many times as well, you know, depending on how successful you are auditioning. And I guess so, so that all of that happened and then, and then nothing happened. So I got back, came back to UK and I was, you know, just like, I, I'm back at square one after however many years, you know, sort of what, 12 years of auditioning. Um, and I was kind of, I had to sign on uh, to the sort of, the doll office which is basically if you sell unemployed people but they at that time they weren't they don't like actors or they didn't see acting as as a legitimate um career so that they forced me to go and look for a real job and um i did you know numerous other things started working in a bar i have a friend who who runs a bar business who employs lots of actors which is you know a saving grace for unemployed actors and then um yeah i remember i just i got this this audition through but at that point i really was not considering giving up straight away but i was thinking god i'm 34 and um you know is this sustainable can i keep doing this and then yeah the rest is history i guess i went went in and uh it was a really quick process i think within two weeks um i had been offered so it was pretty uh pretty remarkable and then, yeah, there's your seven years. You seven and then, years. And then seven years later. Seven years. <laughs> and here we are. I could have got less yeah. for stealing a car. I know. Unbelievable. <laughs> yeah. yeah. Luckily, uh, luckily, it wasn't Aquaman. But um, no, I, I, uh, I mean, you know, seven years in and it's, it's been such a great journey. I think, you know, I don't think any of us thought it would go this long. And I think it's still got life uh life in it and uh we we love it we love going to work i have the best co-stars and you know it is we all talk about how intense it is and hard work it is it is but but it's also extremely rewarding and it's changed my life and and yeah i guess it it actually is the job that i was always dreaming about you know the one that's gonna elevate you and take you somewhere else and and um change your life uh i just never guessed it'd be back in scotland which is kind of interesting yeah yeah. yeah there we go you see the beginnings the beginnings and the end you begin you set out you go you move from oh, one, you end up in cool. the same oh. in the same place what well, actually yeah. you know crazy cool. crazy circle of cyclical trying to say, it's a circle of life tim it's it's a circle i don't know if anyone's written about it but it's a circle of life yeah we're stone stone circle of life a stone circle of life the metaphors come thick and fast, yeah. and they will never end. Because I don't think we have the license for this, but I would cue Elton John music right now if I could. Um, I've got all those sound effects. I would cue Elton. It's John. too expensive, David. Yeah. It's too <laughs> expensive. Or maybe the, th- the Lion King one. That's what I'm talking about, Sam. The Elton. Oh, John. is it? Sorry, I've maybe. never. I'm, I, I don't really know. I haven't really watched it, but I knew there was a song about that whole circle of life. that whole circle of life thing went over your head. It did. I was thinking about the Stone Circle and Outlander and oh. all that. Yeah, <laughs> I'm just too much in Outlander right now. <laughs> it's, uh... Well, on that bombshell that Sam Hewitt has never seen The Lion King, which wow. has just literally blown my True. mind. I haven't. Yeah, absolutely extraordinary. Um, yeah. I just like to say this. This has been enlightening. Mm. It really, really, really yeah. yeah. Last That's sentence right. has enormously. The sound um, effects, especially, I think we've discovered that David Berry has another career ahead of him. As a foley artist, this is <laughs> this is it. What did you do in like, lockdown, Dad? I discovered that I can make the noise of fire 
I could do a harmonica. Oh, go on. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> like a it's like a hobo on a train, isn't it? Yeah. In the, like you know, like the nineteen twenties. I was going to do the, the Outlander theme tune there, but I can't remember what the Outlander theme Why don't tune we? is. Why do we? I mean, you you do that. I can do the trumpet, and Tim, you can do the drums. Okay, here we go. Okay. <laughs> yeah that that no 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 finer an end to a show could you ever wish for than that uh, that is our finale Tim. this is our grand finale sam you are it our is? final guest this is the final oh. of outcasts season one Congratulations to you both. Thank what a wonderful thing you've done. And um, yeah, I think uh, I'm sorry that we had to end it on that. But No, I'm, I'm going to cue party sound effects and fireworks now. There'll be so many sound effects in this this episode Tim, in post-production. It's going to be amazing. Thank you, Sam. Oh, I can't wait to hear it. Absolutely fun. Sam, thank you. Always a pleasure. And thank you very, very much indeed for your, for your time once again. Thank you, gentlemen, again. Again and again, again. circle of line. We should start this all again. Like Sam, could you do like a reverb again, again, again? I can do that. I can do that again, 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 again. again. It's this honestly, oh, David, this is amazing. Your yeah. career in radio is going to go <laughs> sky high. We're betting out. It's New Year 2021. Yeah, Happy New Year. Happy New Year's. <laughs> Sounded like you're Jewish then. It did. Happy New Year's. Great. Well, I'll um, I'll see you on the next next time we do this again. You will indeed see us on the or see us on the uh, on the turnaround, whatever they call it. Yeah. There's a phrase. I don't know what that is. Great to speak to you both. And you as well, my friend. Bye. Have a lovely, lovely day. You too. So, Tim, uh, this is our final episode of um, yes, indeed, Outcasts, and this is our final segment of listener letters. So, I think um, we should, of course, read out a letter, and, and I believe that you have a very special letter um, to round out the I show. Have. Yes, yes, I do. I think this is this is this is great from all the many, many, and thank you so much for sending your, all your uh, all your emails to us. Um, but this one, I was looking through them the other day, and this one really stuck out. And this one's from uh, from Megan, who says, "Good morning, gentlemen. I hope this email finds the two of you doing well." My name is Megan Hutchings. My husband and I live in the small town of Readyville, in Tennessee. We have three kiddos, uh, 11, 13, and three. If you are at all familiar with the States, we're about 30 minutes south of Nashville. Um, even attached a picture, so you know who we are. Nice. Um, Webb and I were a little late to the Outlander obsession. We actually did not start watching the show until mid-June. However, it came at the perfect time and has been such a blessing. It is a truly hard, put into words what the show has meant to us and means to us. Um, 
Webb has been to Scotland and has commented many times about travelling there. My ancestors are from Italy, so I've always been Team Italy. However, Outlander has made me fall in love with Scotland. I could go on, but ultimately I'm emailing to say thank you to the two of you for creating this podcast. I was searching Outlander podcast and came across your gem. It has been so wonderful listening to your guests each week and learning so many new things. This show has opened up an entirely new world in my life and I have so many questions. Your podcast has been chipping away at those week by week. I've laughed, been amazed and just been blown away by your guests. Tim, your humour combined with David's asking of hard questions, it's just the perfect balance. The two of you, along with everyone involved with Outlander, remain in my prayers. I pray that you are blessed abundantly in your personal lives as well as your professional ones. It is the least I can do for all of you sharing your craft with the world. Be blessed, gentlemen, and keep doing what you're doing. Megan. Wow. Wow, Tim. That is very... Isn't that beautiful? That, and you know what? Um, we've received a lot of letters like that. And uh, I know that these listener letters can get a bit wacky, but we wanted to round it out with a big thank you back to everyone and, and know that we that we have read all your letters and we Tim and I appreciate them very much. And this has been a labor, labor of love, hasn't it, Tim? Um, a lot of... It really, really has. A lot has. of hard... Uh, long days and long nights. Uh, they- absolutely, absolutely, but worth it every step of the way. It's yeah. been it's been such an enormous amount of fun at a very sort of difficult, trying time for everybody, um, and it's been it's been great. And it's you know it's our it's our listeners and our amazing guests that have come on and given their time um, that has made it so made the journey so special. So thank you, thank you all, and uh, hopefully you'll all stick around for more. Yeah, Tim and I are still kind of friends. Uh, through it all um yeah just about yeah just about we have a few, few things to iron out but <laughs> yeah. a few things gave tim, up but yeah, tim, thank, we'll get over tim it. thank you so much it's been a, been a delight and thank you everyone it's been uh, and you as and you as well my friend and thank you to all thank you for listening to outcasts please remember to rate subscribe and leave a review as it all helps Follow us on our Instagram page at outcast.podcast for all the latest updates. Or you can send us an email at outcastspodcastshow at gmail.com. Every week, we shall select a question from one of our listeners to answer on the show. The theme music is composed by Kieran Ledwidge. All views and opinions expressed on the show are our own and have no affiliation with the series of books written by Diana Gabaldon or the Sony Stars television show Outlander. No animals were harmed in the making of this podcast. Although I did have a ham sandwich earlier. So. See you next time. See you next time. are on a budget we still deserve nice things quince is a place to scoop up stunning high-end goods for 50 to 80 percent less than similar brands they have buttery soft cashmere sweater starting at 50 dollars, luxurious italian leather bags and so much more plus quince only works with factories that use safe ethical and responsible manufacturing get the high-end goods you'll love without the high price tag with quince go to quince.com style for free shipping and 365 day returns